Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So in this uh, discussion today, I want to give you guys five key takeaways from the 2019 Silver World Silver Survey. Now, what is a World Silver Survey? For those of you that are kind of new to this space, it's a publication that's put out each year by the Silver Institute, this year in association with Refinitiv and with the support of, of various other uh, corporations, uh, including many different mining companies, uh, maybe some financial institutions as well. And basically what it does is it takes a whole bunch of data about the supply and demand side of silver, <clears throat> not so much the paper side. They do mention that, but largely looking at the physical side. And, and they try and sum it up for us, uh, give, it, give us an overview of, of where the trends are, where's demand increasing or, or decreasing. And the same thing goes for, for supply, mining supply, scrap supply, etc. Now, I know what some of you guys might be thinking, you know, why are we talking about this? Uh, the silver market is largely a, a paper market today, right? It's, it's a paper market that decides the, the price of a physical asset. And I would agree. I would agree that manipulation in the silver market is rampant. I would agree that the amount of, of paper silver contracts is, is vastly out of proportion to, to the amount of silver that is actually available in the world today. I'm talking about silver that is an, an investable uh, format and is actually on the market silver that people actually want to sell. It's it's ridiculous, right? It's it's um you know it's it's you know it, it continues today, uh, much like it has in 2018 and 17, 16, and 15, on and on and on. The manipulation in the paper side of the silver market, and yet I'm a strong believer that eventually that's going to change. That it's going to be a market that is more so determined by the physical side of things. I mean, silver is an incredibly important commodity, incredibly important metal on the industrial side of things. Plus it has all of the, many of the key uh, 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 components to, to make it an ideal form of physical money, right? It may not have the compactness of, of gold in terms of, of the current value, but otherwise it has many of the same qualities of, of gold in terms of, of what makes gold a good form of money, a good hedge, etc. And I think there's going to be a day in the future in which this is decided much more by the, the physical market. In fact, I saw a tweet earlier today. I don't remember who tweeted it or what the exact wordage was, but basically it was along the lines of what if the, the gold market responded to China buying gold the same way that the stock market responded to uh, news on, on the Chinese trade deal between the U.S. and China? It's a great point. I mean, we, we're seeing little to no... Uh, um, um, attention on, on these type of numbers. And yet you look at a different commodity like oil, where, where we're constantly seeing data come out almost in real time about inventory builds and drawdowns and consumption and production and etc. And, and people watch that very closely and you see the markets move in real time. Now, I don't know if silver will ever be quite that actively traded based on physical supply. But I think it's going to become much, much more important in the future. And that's why I'm talking about this. I mean, I think at some point that silver is going to break out and it's going to be because of the physical market overcoming the paper market for a variety of reasons. I think it's going to be the 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 coincidence of um, 
an increase in, in physical demand, especially on the, the investment side of things, which is going to be bolstered by a, a steady floor in terms of industrial demand, in addition to potentially a, a drop-off in the overall amount of supply coming out to the market because so much silver is mined as a byproduct at base metal mines. I'm talking copper, lead, and zinc. And when we see poor economic conditions that will be uh, inciting a lot of this investment buying in the first place, I think that's also going to lead to a decreased demand. Yes, maybe for silver on the industrial side of things, but certainly for copper, for lead, for zinc, much more dependent on on, uh, on the economy. And you'll see those mines uh, slow or halt production and thus also slow and halt production of silver as well. I mean, that's kind of how I see it playing out. And so, yes, this physical demand Physical supply side of things is very important. So uh, five big takeaways from this report. Number one on this list, uh, supply continues to fall in 2018, um, especially mining supply. Now, technically from 2016 to 2017, overall total supply coming up to the market increased. But from 2017 to 2018, it decreased. And mining supply incre- or decreased for the, uh, let's see here, third year in a row. It decreased slightly from 2015 to 2016, decreased pretty significantly from 16 to 17, and and quite a bit from 17 to 18 once again. We'll be talking a little bit why that's the case. I mean, largely it's because of uh, a, a drop-off in uh, production from, from just a couple countries. We, we have Guatemala and their Escobar mine, which was shut down, I think, in, in the middle of 2017. I want to say that was one of, if not the largest... Uh, mine in terms of production in the world. Um, in addition to that, you had a pretty significant decline in in production here in the United States and Canada. I mean, otherwise, <clears throat> you know, Mexico, China, Russia, India, um, many of those other producers had actually increased, but as a whole, mining supply decreased once again. Takeaway number two um, is that the silver market was once again in a physical deficit for the year. Of 29.2 million ounces. And that's not counting a supposed uh, uh, inventory build from exchange traded products and exchanges. I'm talking things like the COMEX, SLV, uh, those types of, of, of exchanges, those types of, of markets where basically they have more silver on the market to uh, be on the exchange to be traded, uh, or, or at least the the paper contracts to be traded in, in many cases. Um, so we're talking about 29.2 million ounce deficit, meaning that, again, without looking at the, the inventory build, you have less silver available in the world for, for a market that is already fairly small, already fairly tight on the physical side of things. Now, we had a surplus in 2017, we had a surplus in 2012, we had a surplus in 2010, 2009, um, and then we had a deficit in 2011, 2013, 14, uh, 15, and a slight deficit 16 and now 18. But if you do add in that exchange inventory build, you actually end up with a deficit for every year going back to 2009. And, and when you add all of these numbers together, you know, we're talking uh, about a deficit uh, in the hundreds of millions of ounces. Basically, there's less silver available. The excess silver is being sucked up either by these exchanges, by investors, or by industry. Now, you know, I, I have always been a little bit skeptical of this overall exchange and, and ETP inventory build. Um Partly because I'm just not necessarily sold on the fact that the silver that is supposedly, uh, you know, backing products like the SLV is actually there. But you know, um, even without it being there, I, I, I 
I maintain that the market is very tight. In fact, if that silver wasn't there, um, yes, this, the deficit side of things may not look as ugly in terms of just how much of a deficit it's been over the last 10 years. But that also means that there's a significantly smaller amount of silver above ground in identifiable investment form, uh, meaning that it's a, a smaller market, a tighter market. So that's takeaway number two on this list. Uh, takeaway number three is India. India is stacking silver like crazy. Now, uh, just looking at uh, th- three pieces of, of Indian demand, never mind industrial demand, whether it's it's for, for electronics or solar panels or whatever, not too much for solar, but certainly for um, those others. Uh, India, overall demand was, let's see here, 76.5 million ounces for uh, jewelry, 41.8 million ounces for silverware, 70.2 million ounces for uh, physical bars. That's a huge jump, actually. And then 10.8 million ounces for uh, coins and metals. So whatever the investors are buying there. So when you add all that together, 199.3 million ounces. And this is excluding, once again, excluding the industrial side of things for demand. That's about uh, a fifth, a little less than a fifth of total supply that was soaked up just by Indian demand for bars, coins, metals, silverware, and jewelry. Now, India is a massive buyer of uh, silverware and jewelry. I think maybe the largest in the world, um, certainly for silverware, <clears throat> because it's it's a big cultural thing. Um, it, it's common to give these as gifts at, at weddings. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just common in general among um, Indian citizens to store their wealth in, in gold and silver. And this is something I've been saying for a while, especially with the the emerging market crisis that we saw in 2018. You know, we, we saw these huge amounts of silvers, uh, these numbers before, and huge amounts of silver demand out of India. And, and many people were saying that this was mostly just industrial. But, you know, look at these numbers, 70.2, never mind the silverware and, and jewelry because it's debatable just how much of that is is, you know, more investment than just, you know, cultural or something like that. I maintain that that silverware and 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 jewelry in the case of India absolutely could be seen as as much more investment as a preservation of wealth than anything else. But that excluded, we're still talking about uh, eighty one million ounces between coins, bars, and metals. Eighty one million ounces. Um, that's you know roughly eight percent of of the overall supply coming onto the market in two thousand eighteen that was soaked up by India. And I I don't see this ending anytime soon. Now, the Silver Institute points out something along the lines of, you know, this is something that that some retailers do when prices are low. And, you know, I think the truth of the matter is that, yes, silver prices were pretty low in the the end of 2018. And I don't have the the exact price up of of what the silver price looked like in rupee terms in, in, in 2018. But what I can tell you is that a lot of this demand was I believe you know prior to these these or or, or you know to some extent during this drop during the summer of 2018, but it was also during a major drop in the rupee and a lot of emerging market currencies. And so I wonder how much of this was investment, how much of it was sort of hedging against that. And I wonder if you know if we see this continue in the future. Um, I mean, this is a huge uh, India plays a huge role in the silver market. And so, you know, there's a lot of question marks, I think, around their economy, as well as their geopolitical picture uh, in regards to to Pakistan, as well as China. And I wonder if if things go hot there, or if if India 
uh, moves into a recession soon, just how much we'll see this these numbers change. Now, maybe Indians will have less money to, to buy things like jewelry or, or silverware or something along those lines. Um, but you also could see them hedging more and more out of the rupee into to precious metals. Another thing I'll remind you of that in the case of jewelry, silver jewelry, it's, you know, just like silver is sometimes seen as a substitute for gold in terms of investment. Same thing goes for jewelry uh, here in the States, here in the Western world and in India. And so, you know, families that are not as well off that maybe can't buy uh, heavy pieces of, of gold jewelry instead resort to silver jewelry. And so, you know, if you have an economic decline, then who knows? I mean, you could see an even greater shift of, of that investment uh, or sorry, that, that jewelry demand to silver versus gold. But but the big takeaway is is India has been mopping up the silver market, mopping up huge swaths of silver. Um, and that's not necessarily uh, saying that they aren't doing the same for gold, that they're not buying quite a bit of gold. Uh, but but silver, I mean, they are to silver what maybe China and Russia are to gold right now in, uh, in, in, in the present day. So uh, pretty big news there. Um, takeaway number four that I want to talk about was the uh, solar side of silver. Now, for for quite a while, <coughs> excuse me, uh, solar panels were were touted as the next big thing for silver. In fact, in in two thousand nine, we had you know roughly uh, you know maybe ten, uh, fifteen million or sorry ten or fifteen you know gigawatts of of uh, solar cell production in two thousand nine alone um, in two thousand eighteen uh, we we're already over eighty million maybe eighty five mil uh, sorry eighty five gigawatts of of solar cell production so a pretty significant uh, increase from two thousand nine to two thousand eighteen um, and yet you know kind of along the way one of the problems is that for for silver in terms of demand is that they have resorted to what some people would call uh, thrifting. Basically, they use uh, less and less silver, thinner and thinner coats of silver in these solar cells. And again, to, to put this, to put a number on that, in 2009, we're talking about 0.4 grams per cell. In 2018, we're talking um, closer to uh, 0.1 grams or, or 100 milligrams of silver per cell. So about 25% of what they used to use, despite a pretty significant increase in the overall production of these cells. And that is why uh, uh, demand for silver in the, in the solar side of things has has dropped off. It dropped off in 2018. Now, if you look at this chart, and by the way, I should have said this at the beginning, I, I encourage for those of you that are really nerding out about this type of stuff to go and check out this publication, World Silver Survey 2019. A ton of data, a ton of graphs and whatnot. But um, <clears throat> what you will see in terms of, of the density of silver in these cells or how much is actually used on these cells, you'll see that it, efficiency was improved quite a bit in the past. Um, but slowly, it's it's evening out, and so I wonder just how much in the future they can reduce how much silver they're using in these cells. And I think the Silver Institute points out that you know estimates in the industry and whatnot are that that they can make more improvements, and that's probably the case. Um, but you know, I think that there's there's a certain point where where they only can go so far in in reducing how much silver they're using, and beyond that, I mean, they can technically use other things. Um, some people have talked about them potentially using copper instead of silver. Um, I know graphene, you know, the the uh, unicorn, uh, 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 I, I shouldn't call it an element, but but substance 
that, that people have said is going to replace all sorts of different elements and all sorts of different other um, um, products. Uh, that hasn't really come to fruition in terms of you know widespread production in terms of solar cells, but you know those things might replace silver in the future. But I wouldn't be surprised that you know if if we see some changes, some major investment in silver or sorry in solar in the future, whether that's Saudi Arabia, the United States, or China, um, that we could see the the amount uh, of demand for solar for silver and solar products increase in, in the next couple of years here. Um, you know, another part of this this drop in, in demand was uh, due to China. Uh, China had removed some subsidies uh, partway through the year for uh, solar panels and basically making them less attractive investment. And so that also kind of tempered demand um, in 2018. So that also kind of played a part in this. But, you know, with solar plant panels becoming more efficient, uh, this this could be a trend going forward. Now, the final takeaway that that I want to talk about here is is EVs, electrical vehicles. Now, if I remember correctly, this is actually something that the Silver Institute talked about in last year's publication. <clears throat> but basically, what they they're talking about is that, uh, and maybe they added some to this, but um, what they're talking about here is that with the advent of electrical vehicles. We can expect greater and greater demand for silver in those vehicles because they're they're electrical, and we know that silver is very important for um, electrical vehicles in general. Now, I want to be on the record as saying that I'm not a huge believer in this electrical vehicle revolution. I'm not. I, I think it has a lot of evolution, a lot of improvements that still have to take place before it, it really makes net sense. Now, now I, I will add that you know with the right um, influences on the market namely subsidies from governments including the u.s government and many others or laws that mandate the use of electrical vehicles that can certainly push the industry in that direction but otherwise i I think that it's 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 certainly much bigger today and there's certainly many more producers today than there was five years ago but i still don't think that by you know 2025 or something that you know one of every two vehicles sold is going to be an EV. No, probably not. Maybe in some countries that, again, subsidize it enough or mandate it. But, you know, internal combustion engines, I think, um, will hang on for quite a while longer. Uh, they they are more practical in many cases, whether we're talking about longer distances, we're talking about uh, climates that are not as friendly to electrical vehicles, such as Minnesota, where I live, or Canada, or or many parts of, of even Northern Europe uh, or, or Russia. Um, now, with that being said, in some places, uh, metropolitan areas, um, with with the uh, increased density of, of things like charging stations and, and, and partnerships between different uh, corporations, different manufacturers, yeah, I think we will see quite a bit more EVs on the street in, in urban areas, uh, certainly in places like China and whatnot, but I'm not totally sold on this. With that being said, it is going to be a pretty significant um, change for for the silver market, a pretty significant increase in the amount of demand for silver. Now, the Silver Institute, in fact, actually points out here that batteries um, actually have uh, silver in them, the, the batteries that are used in these electrical vehicles, or that it's used in many different batteries, but but um, it's it's unclear just how much it'll be used in in these car batteries in the future. But with that being said, um, the, the 
vehicles in general already have a fair amount of silver in them. And and, and to some extent, you know, I'm, I'm here saying that that I don't think that EV revolution is, is going to be as is going to arrive as quickly as everybody thinks it's going to. Um, and yet, if you look at internal combustion engines, uh, those types of vehicles, you see that they're becoming more and more technical every single year with all sorts of new safety features, with all sorts of new electronics within the car. Um, you also see uh, an increase in, in hybrids. Uh, of of all varieties, it's no longer just the small you know Priuses. Now you have uh, crossovers, pickup trucks that are hybrids, right? Um, those require more and more silver, and so um, that's takeaway number five here. That that as much as as uh, solar panels uh, are playing a big role in silver demand, and 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 has in many ways replaced you know photovoltaic. I've said in the past has replaced photography in terms of silver demand. Uh, silver demand in, in the automotive space uh, is going to continue to play a big role in the future. Now, it is to some extent, you know, sensitive to the economy and whatnot, but uh, it's not like the, the automotive industry is going to entirely collapse and people no longer need cars. Um, as the Silver Institute estimates, or estimates um, last year, something like 51.8 million ounces uh, was used in the automotive industry last year, up 4%. They also estimate that by 2040, we could be looking at something like 150, like a three uh, three times larger than what we're seeing right near, right now, 150 million ounces in the automotive industry for, for silver demand. Now, sure, I mean, something could come along the way and there could be silver thrifting and whatnot, but um, that certainly looks like a bright spot on the industrial side of things. So that's five big takeaways from the World Silver Survey. I would encourage you once again to take the time to to go to uh, uh, the, the Silver Institute or just type in Google uh, World Silver Survey 2019 and check it out for yourself. A ton of great information here. Um, if you have future questions on the Silver Survey, uh, future things that you'd like me to go into more detail on, whether it's on the supply side, demand side, etc., let me know down below in the comment section or shoot me an email. As always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video or listening to this podcast and God bless.